word. And Lord, we ask you tonight that you would anoint me and speak through me everything that needs to be said. And Lord, I pray that this would be thorough, it would be powerful. And Lord, that your word was, would be as the parable of the seed and the sower, that it would be as living seeds of truth that are sown out in the good soil, that even now the Holy Spirit would move upon all of us that are listening, and the Holy Spirit would help us to have good fertile soil of hearts and minds, to, to have eyes that are anointed, ears that are anointed, to be able to see and hear what God is speaking to us, to have minds that are locked in and not be distracted by all of the, any other thing, but rather we're locked in, the Holy Spirit help us. And Lord, I pray as this goes out, as living seeds of truth, it'll be sown into good soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, and take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Lord, let the winds of your spirit carry this out everywhere it needs to go. And Lord, let your mighty angels watch over your word. And Lord, I pray this will go forth and bear fruit. It'll be a hammer that breaks down strongholds, a sword that penetrates, and the washing of the water of the word of God will be there. And Lord, we know Jesus taught us that if we, as we sow, that the birds of the air try to steal the seed. So Lord, we take authority over anything of the enemy that would try to hinder the word of God, and we bind it now in the name of Jesus. You will back off. And Lord, we thank you for your freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. And we agree together, and we believe it to be done now. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. All right, so I've been dealing with this series on um, warfare against the glory. And last week we dealt with the, you know, the trichotomy. We dealt with the spirit, the soul, the body. And obviously we can't go back through any of that. We've got a little bit of ground to cover tonight. But suffice it to say... When Adam sinned, Adam first died spiritually, and we talked about this, then he died in the soul realm, and ultimately there was death in the physical body, which was something like 900 years later for Adam, you know, but in Christ, that's how it's reversed. Life comes into the spirit, then life begins to move into the soul area, where we get a renewed mind and a disciplined soul and all that we talked about last week, and ultimately... We're going to be given glorified bodies at the resurrection. But even before then, I believe that the Bible says the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead can live in us and give life to our bodies. That there is some kind of a supernatural health that God can give us. So tonight, though, I'm going to deal primarily with cycles and strongholds. These sermon series are very pastoral, okay? And I want to make sure that you guys are protected from any type of spiritual warfare that the enemy would try to bring. And so that's the heart behind these. And so in this, uh, last week we dealt with the importance of renewing your mind and being disciplined because the enemy, probably the greatest battleground, I'll probably talk again a little bit about this as we go, but has to do with the mind and the emotions of the believer. That's the area that's most manipulated. And so you need to be aware that not every thought that comes into your mind, not every criticism that comes into your mind, not every judgment that comes into your mind, and every feeling that you have is from God. It can actually be from the demonic. So renew your mind. All right. So as we get into this, I want to deal a little bit with principalities and powers. So a very familiar passage of Scripture Let's look at Ephesians 6, starting with verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. 
I mean, knows that we need the strength of God, man. We're living in the latter days, and we need God's strength. In verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. How many people, you know, last week we talked about having discipline to get in prayer, have a daily prayer life, get into the word and all that, but are people putting on the armor daily? Make sure that every day you're putting on the armor of God. The Bible says that, verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And how many know sometimes it feels like it is? Because there's people that act out and, you know, are difficult. But your battle is never really against flesh and blood. It is against, in this translation, rulers, powers, world forces of darkness, and spiritual forces in heavenly realms. So another translation is principalities and powers and world rulers. And then, of course, wickedness in the heavenlies. In verse 13, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. Having done everything to stand firm, you'll be able to stand firm, um, having your loins girt about with truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel peace, shoes of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, remember last week we talked about those fiery darts. They try to hit in your mind and your emotions. Okay, so it's the shield of faith that's going to block that, but you've got to grow in faith. I think sometimes baby Christians, they rise up, and they're ready to go, and then they whip out their shield of faith, and it's about this big. <laughs> but as you grow in faith... Your shield can become big enough and strong enough to resist things not only for you but for other people. So take up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one and put on the helmet of salvation. Let me tell you, the helmet of salvation is so important because people, that is the battleground, is the mind. And so that there's something that'll be over your mind to guard your mind. Also, it says, um, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so Jesus used that when facing the devil, remember? Of all the things Jesus could have done, Jesus operated against Satan by quoting the word of God. It is written. And that is the offensive weapon. All these other pieces of the armor are very defensive. But the sword is offensive. And so whenever you're confronting the enemy, it's powerful obviously use the name of Jesus okay in the name of Jesus I take authority and I command you to be bound and leave me and then quote the word of God against the enemy and the word of God is 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 alive and active as Hebrew says sharper than any double-edged sword it's a powerful weapon of war in verse 18 this is a piece of the armor that probably very few people ever preach but with all prayer and petition pray at all times in the spirit the Apostle Paul said that I pray in the Spirit more than you all. So praying in the Spirit as you pray in tongues, you're building up. Jude says you build up your most holy faith praying in the Spirit. There's a self-edifying. And praying in the Spirit is very powerful. I'll deal with that in later sermons in more depth. With this view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So we need to pray. What Paul is saying here is that Put on the armor, but you need to be a prayer warrior. You need to be praying for God's people and be praying for your church, praying for your pastors. 
And of course, praying in the Spirit on all occasions. Make sure that you really have a powerful prayer life. That's what keeps us strong, and that's what gives us that edge. And um, I remember, you know, just real quick testimony about this. You know, my wife, she was working years ago at a particular place, and it was just all-consuming. I remember she was telling me it was difficult. It was, you know, she was trying to work through that. But we had went to Cane Ridge, and God really touched us there. And God spoke to her to look to your husband to the pattern. So I began to talk to her about prayer and other things. But let me tell you something. God started a, a fresh fire there, but she's kept the logs on that fire. And she's really kept it going. If you'll keep your prayer life strong and you'll stay in the word, you're throwing logs on the fire. That fire will stay strong. But if you're not careful, you can let it go and it'll become lukewarm pretty quick. And so let me break down some things about principalities and powers that I feel like you need to know. So we looked at the armor. Remember this, you need to put the armor on every day. It is, it is seriously powerful, and it's very important that we put it on every day. I think a lot of Christians are running around in a war, don't even know they're in a war, and spiritually speaking, they're running around naked. They're vulnerable to levels of warfare that they shouldn't be. But they're not putting on the armor, and they're not praying in the spirit on all occasions and saying strong see what i mean and so they're vulnerable so in dealing with this there's different echelons in satan's kingdom world ruling spirits blanket the earth with their influence they blanket the entire earth world ruling spirits there are several i could mention but one would obviously be the antichrist spirit that spirit is at work in this present age it's been at work and um, even John, back in his writings, referenced it's at work then. But that Antichrist spirit blankets the whole world. And that's where you get weird stuff going on. Like, you know, all of a sudden, here, even here in America, that's had a Judeo-Christian heritage. There's such an Antichrist spirit that's raging against. It pulled down every cross, any scriptural reference. You see what I'm saying? It's an Antichrist spirit. And even the warfare against the nation of Israel is an Antichrist spirit because Satan knows that when Jesus But anyway, Satan knows when Jesus comes, he's coming to Israel. And so he's trying to stop the coming of the Lord. The attack to destroy the nation of Israel is an Antichrist spirit. Y'all following me? All right. And then you have underneath world rulers, you have lower level, but these are very powerful beings, fallen angels, that dwell in the second heaven. So we have, biblically, there's three heavens. The apostle Paul said, I was caught up to the third heaven. And the third heaven has to do where God's throne is. This is the most northern recesses of creation. This is where God dwells. And when you die in Christ, the angels of the Lord take you there. That's the third heaven. But the second heaven is the atmosphere above the earth. And that's where the wickedness in the heavenlies, that's where they dwell, is in that second heaven. And the book of Daniel gives us some insight in that because Daniel prayed, and on the day he prayed, God dispatched answers, but it was like 21 days later that the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, showed up. 
And Gabriel told Daniel, said, man, from the time you prayed, I was sent, but I was fighting with these princes in the second heaven. He, I was dealing with these until Michael came and provided reinforcement. So the battleground is in that second heaven realm. And that's the realm of principalities and powers. Principality comes from the Greek word arche. I guess the translation into English, A-R-C-H-E, arche. And it's where we get the word architect from. And so they're the ones that have the intelligence and the power to create strategies, blueprints against God's people. Principalities are over uh, nations, they're over states, and they're over territory. There's obviously principalities that are over America, and I think they probably spend a lot of their time in Washington because that's where decisions are made. There are principalities that are assigned over the state of Texas, and again, I think they spend a lot of time in Austin because that's where decisions are made. You understand? Not that they're confined there, but I think that they spend a lot of time there. And there's principalities over the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And these principalities are intelligent beings. They're fallen angels, and they're very powerful. And they study the territory. The principality over the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, Dallas and Tarrant County, it knows the church is here. It knows who's a threat. He know, they, this spirit knows who's not a threat. It knows those that are a threat. It studies their weaknesses. It studies their families. It studies their personal lives. Are you following me? And these, these beings, these fallen angels, they, they'll prepare for days of battle. They strategize. They're the ones that create the blueprints of satanic attack against God's people. Their ultimate goal is to make sure that every church is just going to be a social club that has no power. It's lukewarm at best, backslidden. People are not truly getting saved. There may be a lot of people that come because it's a social club. They're joining a club. But these principalities want to make sure that people are truly not being born of God, a new birth, repenting of sin. One of their greatest strategies is make sure, above all other things, to get prayer out of churches. Because the enemy knows that Jesus said to make his house a house of prayer, and a praying church is a powerful church. Principalities want to make sure that there's absolutely no Pentecost, there's not going to be any gifts, there's not going to be tongues, there's not going to be power. Wants to make sure that that church is just a shell of what it should be. That they lay hands, they don't even pray for the sick, but if they do, nothing's going to happen. You never see, what the principality wants is you never see the sick healed, you never see the demonized delivered, you never see people baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you never see the power of God. Demonstrations of God's power. It wants it to just be a dead religious ritual you go through week after week that is really no threat to the enemy. And we need to be aware, the Bible says, do not be ignorant of the devil's devices. 
we need to know what he's up to. And the principalities over Dallas, in my opinion, studying it have to do with religion, a religious spirit, and also have to do with witchcraft, in particular dealing with a Jezebel spirit. And that makes up religious witchcraft. And that is a, that is a strong force to be reckoned with. But a, a religious spirit loves dead religious ritual. But a religious spirit will have a lot of problem, a lot of problem with judging and criticizing. A religious spirit hates freedom. Are y'all hearing me? Hates freedom in worship. They're not going to be a worshiper, but it gets on their nerves when other people do. A religious spirit doesn't like the gifts, doesn't like tongues. If you let those religious Pharisees have their way, they'll get rid of any trace of the gifts of the spirit out of a church. Again, a religious spirit hates freedom. So let me keep going today. I'm, all right, let me move on from that. So principalities, underneath principalities are powers. Power spirits have a lot to do with the mind. And let me explain what I mean. Over a territory that principality will be enthroned over a region and it wants to exert its influence and those power spirits, they try to traffic overhead and they want to influence the way people think. They want to influence the way people feel. And if people don't have discernment, and they don't break free from the influence of their region, then they're going to end up under the influence of that principality and not even know it. I wonder sometimes how many ministries out there, just in general, whether it be a church or an evangelistic ministry or a missions ministry, whatever it is, and wherever it is in the earth, how many, without even probably realizing, have come into agreement with the, the prevailing spirit over their region? See, where there's a religious spirit in a region like here, it hates freedom in worship. And unfortunately, you can go to a lot of places where it's difficult to really, really be free in your worship. You would feel like an idiot to dance or to, to really sing or be free in a lot of places. Why? Because that religious spirit wants to make sure that's the case. But when you come into a place that refuses to be in agreement with a religious spirit, there's an open heaven and the presence of God is there. It's easy to worship. And it's easy to be free. And so these power spirits want to make sure that everybody is under the influence of what that principality wants them thinking and wants them feeling. The principality also will strategize satanic attack. And whenever he says, go, now's the time, that's when these power spirits begin to move and they actually carry out the attack. So let me move now to the next scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, another very familiar scripture. I'm going to start with verse 2. Paul said, I ask that when I am present, I need to be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. 
Now, here's what it moves into. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So you're not going to be able to deal with spiritual battles in a natural way. You cannot shoot a gun. You're not going to be able to wield a physical sword against principalities and powers. So you're not going to be able to defeat them with human strength or human effort in your flesh. You're going to have to deal with spiritual battles spiritually with spiritual weapons that God has given us. So again, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, and that translates strongholds. We are destroying speculations. What are speculations? This has to do with the mind. Imaginations. The realm of what you're envisioning and thinking in your mind. And every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You have to be disciplined in your mind because how many of you guys knows that there are very persuasive spirits out there including today in the age that we live, even among God's people, that if you listen to them, will sway you in directions that are horrible. They know how to word things. I think about Proverbs, I think it's 5 through 7, where it talks about the lips of an adulteress drips honey. They know how to say it, they know how to speak it, to where literally it's like a seductive spirit to pull people away. But you have to be discerning and you've got to renew your mind and bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and line it up with God's word. What does God say about it? And he says in verse 6, we're ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. So right now there's voices out there that you need to be aware of. I remember just recently I heard this guy that was preaching and um, I put it on my Facebook and he was saying that he went to speak at a place and this is all too common but the pastor there told him do not use the word sin told him you, you can use hang-ups you can use all these different adjectives but just don't use the word sin you see what I'm saying there is some deceptive things out there that are very powerful And the Bible says we're to be like lambs among the wolves. And what that is talking about is see the wolves, the wolf nature is Satan's nature. And people that come into agreement with the prevailing spirit over their region, more and more and more, they're being conformed to that wolf nature. They're taking on the thoughts and the feelings of that principality of that region and they're becoming more and more like that but the Lord taught us that we're to remain free and we're to be like lambs among the wolves that even though we're amongst the wolves we're going to walk as the lamb of God and we're going to carry his nature so the power spirits want to affect the way that people think And right now in America, there's been something in the way of a liberal spirit. I believe it's an antichrist spirit, but I also believe there's something about Jezebel that's mixed in there really strong. It's very obvious. 
but there's this liberal spirit and it's creeping into churches that are not discerning it and pretty soon they become quite comfortable with things like abortion what the Bible calls sexual sins and all kinds of other things that are an abomination to God but it is a spirit that is not being discerned in a lot of places and so what I'm dealing with is cycles and strongholds but I want you to be aware of territorial warfare that we're dealing with I don't have time to really belabor it too much but you guys are familiar with the religious spirit and so unrighteous judgment, criticism, fault finding, people that are in agreement with the religious spirit can't even go somewhere where God's moving without sitting back and being critical and judging. They can't enter in. They don't like it. They're under the influence of a religious spirit. Also, the witchcraft aspect, Jezebel. You need to study this spirit out because the Bible talks about Jezebel really arising in the latter days. She shows up in the book of Revelation. And you're dealing with a very powerful spirit. But Jezebel has a lot to do with counterfeit revelation. has a lot to do with rebellion against authority. It has a lot to do with intimidation, manipulation, and control. And so the way to really overcome territorial warfare is you need to know what you're up against. You can go to certain places. You can go like, for example, to California. And there's a totally different spirit there. When I've been there, that there's such a, a spirit in one place that we were at. People are so caught up with their outward appearance. Y'all hear what I'm saying? It was a spirit. You go to other places in California and homosexuality is just rampant. It's a spirit. You can go to other places in our nation. You can go to New Orleans and there is, there is a spirit there. I've been there quite a bit to New Orleans and, and I like the place but there's a spirit and there's a witchcraft occult spirit there and I could go on and on but I think you get the idea different places you go there's a spirit about it and you need to discern what's there and not allow yourself to come into agreement with it so the way that you're going to overcome these princes and powers and wickedness in the heavenlies is number one that you discern it and you don't come into agreement with it but number two vicarious repentance Daniel was living in Daniel chapter 9 Daniel was living in Babylon but Daniel was a righteous man and Daniel would not come into agreement with Babylon the religious system of Babylon even though Daniel was there he didn't worship their gods he didn't bow down to their idols he he lived free from the principalities and powers of Babylon and Daniel being a righteous man that he knew in the scroll of Jeremiah that it was prophesied they would be in Babylon for 70 years and he knew 70 years were up and so he knew that God's will was for things to change and so in Daniel chapter 9 he began to really pray about it and as he came before the Lord he began to confess remember what I'm saying Lord forgive us he wasn't just saying for himself he was saying Lord forgive us as a nation forgive us for our sins forgive us for the sins of our ancestors he was confessing the sins of his fathers and as he began to vicariously repent for the nation of Israel for the sin that got them in the situation they were in in the first place God began to move and there was a series of events that began to happen 
ultimately ended up where Cyrus down the road later released Ezra to go back but it can be traced back to Daniel's powerful prayers and so the way that we're going to influence a region that we're in is that we do not come into agreement with the prevailing spirit of that region at all there's false gospels that are being preached in regions in Dallas just say a little prayer join our club you can't come into agreement with these spirits there's a spirit behind that false gospel but Daniel as he prayed and confessed and repented of his sins and the sins of the nation so as we begin to pray and say Lord forgive us for our sins but forgive us for the sins here in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex as we confess the sins of this region vicariously repenting getting under the burden of that for this region and really pray it through it can break things open for a region to see revival but you've got to stay with that and keep praying that until you see the full victory but it takes that vicarious repentance it's all through the word of God Ezra and Nehemiah and I remember you can read about others that really knew how to pray as intercessors but vicarious repentance you're not just getting under the burden of your own sin but the sins of your region the sins of your nation the sins of your family and you're being an intercessor you're taking it before the Lord But it's going to take persistent prayer and fasting for things to break loose. And I believe that, I honestly believe that something's up right now as I'm preaching this with River of Life. But there's strongholds and regions that God is going to have to break through. And it's something only God can do. Now, where you and I are concerned on an individual level is Romans 12, 1 through 2, which I preached on last week. But you're going to have to deal with strongholds. And so if you want to look at your notes on the back, you can see that there's a castle there. And you can see that around that castle, first and foremost, there has to be, please follow my line of thinking, this is very important because legal ground has to be understood. You can see where the ground underneath that castle is different. They had to build up like a mound. There had to be some kind of a foundation laid. See, what happens is, is as people begin to come into agreement with the enemy, in their mind, they're, they're believing the lies of the enemy. They probably don't even realize they're doing it. And their minds begin to be influenced, and they keep thinking those thoughts. It's creating legal grounds. It's like the ground within them now is being that soil is being churned up, and it's laying a foundation where some ground is being defiled and now the enemy has legal right to begin to start creating a stronghold in their mind. And so the enemy begins to create, just like the Apostle Paul was talking about here, he said you have to bring every thought captive. We are destroying these speculations, these imaginations, these thoughts every lofty thing that's raised itself up against the knowledge of God there are ways of thinking 
and ways of feeling in your emotion that are simply not in line with the word of God. And if you come into agreement with the lies of the enemy and you keep thinking it, legal ground is being laid. Now the enemy starts building this stronghold within somebody. And once that stronghold is built, then the demonic can traffic through that stronghold and that person begins to really come into a bondage of that. And it's going to take that the Lord, through the anointing, will break the power of that stronghold. But God's going to have to help them begin to pull that thing down in their mind and renew their thinking to a totally different way of thinking. In a totally different way of feeling. There are times that people have unsanctified emotions. They feel sorry for people and places and situations that God does not feel sorry for. Our minds and our emotions need to be in agreement with the Lord. They need to be in agreement with the Holy Spirit. And they need to be in agreement with the Word of God. When you start coming into agreement with other things... That's when the legal ground is going to start being laid and that's when strongholds are going to start being erected and eventually people will come in bondage to demonic spirits. But these ways of thinking and feeling are so pervasive in regions. You can go to a different region and I remember one time we were going through... Um, Nevada and we came through the Vegas areas we were traveling and guess what there was a spirit about that place you could feel it was like driving through and all of a sudden there was this cloud of darkness we were driving through but if you sit in that cloud very long and you don't have a strong walk with God pretty soon what's happening you start being sympathetic toward partying and gambling and all the things that's going on there and pretty soon people come into agreement with it oh it's not that big of a deal and then they start doing it. What are they doing? They're coming in agreement with the spirit over that thing. So territorial influence. But it's not just territorial. It can be in families big time. How many bloodlines, how many families have been raised with they were told things, they, you know, mindsets, that are totally unbiblical. But they were taught things growing up. They were told things from the time they were little that are completely unbiblical. But as they agreed with it, it was something over their family. They came into agreement with it. It began to form legal right in them. The stronghold began to be built. And now if they don't deal with it in Christ, they'll pass that to their kids. There can be strongholds in various churches that are out there. There are some churches that were established so many years ago. They may be 100 years old. There's mindsets. There's strongholds that have been there. Maybe somebody back 50, 60, 75 years ago began to preach that healing was not for today. Pretty soon that church came in agreement with a heresy. Next thing you know, they won't have another pastor unless he believes that nonsense. It's created a stronghold in that church. And it passes down from parent to child like some kind of generational curse. 
whether it be churches or denominations and whatever it is, and I'm not picking on any one group. This is universal all over the world. There's things that are pet doctrines and traditions of men that are just wrong, but they're being preached and defended like they're the truth, and the people are influenced by it. Next thing you know, like I said before, it's like a generational curse that goes from one generation to the next generation. And those people don't even realize it's in them. But they'll leave out of that group and go to another group that believes the truth and something in them gets really agitated at that. It's a stronghold. There can be strongholds even in people's bodies that's affecting their health because of something they've been involved in in the past, whether it be sexual immorality, occult practices, substances, whatever it was, there can be strongholds that need to be confronted and broke in their body. So I want you to see that there can be generational strongholds, there can be strongholds in a region, and within an individual, there can be strongholds in your body, in your mind, in your emotions that need to be pulled down. And that ground needs to be taken for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to deal with cycles here in a moment and strongholds, but let me, let me say this. To overcome strongholds, wherever they are, The first thing is going to have to be that they're discerned. This is the probably three-fourths of the battle is that alone. Because most of the time when somebody has a stronghold, they don't know it's there. And they're a Christian. They have authority over it. They could deal with it, but they never do because they don't think it's there. So probably three-fourths of the battle is discerning that there is a stronghold. But the next thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to deal with the legal ground. This is huge, but unfortunately, probably seldom preached. A lot of times people where there's spirit-filled groups that actually believe in Book of Acts Christianity, they'll have people come down and they'll pray for them. But if you don't deal with the legal ground in somebody's life, they're either not going to be free or it's just going to come back. And it forms a vicious cycle. So let me talk about legal ground. Number one is you're going to have to forgive people. Because that gives legal right for the enemy to stay at work until you forgive. How many people are in a spiritual prison and given over to tormentors because they just won't forgive? The second thing you're going to, have to do is confess and repent of sin. Whatever it was that opened the door to this thing, it could have been that somebody got involved in the occult. You'd be surprised how many people not only do that, but make excuses for it. Oh, it wasn't that big a deal. I was young. The devil doesn't care you were young. And the devil doesn't care if you thought it was a joke. But they went to a fortune teller. They played with a Ouija board. They got into their horoscopes, whatever it was. They thought it was no big deal. Well, that's a lot bigger deal than what they think. But anyway, they got into some kind of a sin until they confessed that sin. Because that's where this began. Once you confess and repent of that specific thing, then that legal ground is erased by the blood of Jesus. And now you can kick out whatever's been there. But you're going to have to deal with that legal ground. I've had to really explain that to some people. They're going through stuff and they'll call us. 
I said, look, you're going to have to make sure you deal with that, number one. And we try to help people with that. So confess and repent of your sins. Confess and repent of the sins of your ancestry. There's many times things travel down family bloodlines. In Christ, they can be taken care of. Now people say, well, generational curses and all that. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? Jesus paid for the victory. So let's take the victory, okay? Also, repentance for the region. If you've been under the influence. I remember that there was a, a pastor. I really loved him. and still do. He's a great man of God. I just haven't seen him in so many years. But they were out in an area of Texas, at least a couple hours from here, and that region was just really in bondage to a religious spirit. And in particular, in the area of worship. It was really strong. And I always admired him because he went totally against, and I, to my knowledge, I think he was the only church in that whole area that did this, but he had real free worship. But he also faced some warfare because of it. But he had free worship, and I mean, the people loved it. They came and danced and were free. Why? Because that the heavens were open there because they refused to be in agreement with that religious spirit. You could leave out of there and go other places, and you felt like it was just something trying to confine you in your worship. You were trying to worship, but it was just hindered by religious spirit. But when you went there, it, just, it was just open and free. So discern it's there. Number two, deal with the legal ground, whatever it is. Confess it, repent of it. And then number three, take authority over the works of Satan. This is very important. As Christians, we have authority. So many people have never been taught to use their authority. I've been really surprised about that, but it's true. I mean, so listen, as a Christian, even if you're a baby Christian, once you're born again and it's real, you have authority. So quit letting the devil mess with you. Whenever something's going on that's warfare, open your mouth and begin to take authority. In the name of Jesus, I bind you. You will get out of here and begin to use your authority. And when you do that, they're going to flee. But as long as you're not doing that and you're being passive, they're going to keep messing with you. So after you discern it and after you deal with the legal ground, take authority over the strongholds, take authority over the curses and destroy the works of Satan. And then number three is drive out the demonic. And so those are the three basic areas of any deliverance is to cancel the legal right, destroy the works of Satan and drive out the demonic. I could tell story after story after story by people we've seen delivered and free. There was one particular lady that it, her story was really heartbreaking, but she, she had been so abused. I mean, it was bad. I, in fact, to this day, I don't think I've heard of anybody that had been through the level of abuse she's been through. And I, and I mean, my wife's been through a lot, and I've known of a lot of people. This lady had been through so much, and once I talked to her in a session, we were counseling, it was really a deliverance session. But I talked to her about, I felt that the real legal ground with her was just to really forgive. And once she prayed and she forgave everything, she let it go. She, I lead them through a prayer. She said, in Jesus' name, I command everything of the devil to be destroyed in my life and leave me. She said for about, I think, 
without exaggeration, it was about a week, she told me. She felt really sick because she felt all this garbage just leaving her. But at the end of that week, she was like a brand new person. She said all that junk, all that hate, all that bitterness, all that bondage, all the evil spirits that had tormented her, all that stuff had left her. Why? Because the legal ground was canceled. And it had to go. And she, she had a glow about her. I mean, it was radical transformation. I mean, it was really something. There's many other stories I could tell you about people that had mental illnesses, people that had emotional problems, people that had physical diseases in their bodies, all kinds of things that once they really prayed about it and they dealt with the legal ground and we took authority and broke those curses, broke those strongholds, whatever it was, we destroyed Satan's works. And then we commanded those spirits to leave in the name of Jesus. Major testimonies, major testimonies. Spirits of health problems, spirits of suicide, spirits of all kinds of things have left people. So what I'm telling you is not only biblical, but it also is something we've seen over and over many, many times. But when you're dealing with the demonic realm and you rebuke the enemy and you command him to leave, you're going to have to deal with the strong man first. Remember this. Because if you don't bind the strong man, the other ones are going to be stubborn. But once you deal with the strong man, the other ones are just going to leave. I'm sharing all this. I, I haven't preached along these lines in a long time. But I really felt that the Lord was telling me that there's about to be some major breakthroughs. But there also may be some areas where the enemy may try some new tactics and there may be some things going on. I want everybody to be protected. Uh, most people in River of Life, as far as I know, has had the humility and the wisdom to go through what we call like a deliverance questionnaire and really pray through it. And what's happened is, is they've dealt with legal ground and they cleared away things that needed to go. And for the most part, they've cleared away most things. But make sure that you really live your life with discernment, that you stay close to the Lord, you're aware of what God's doing, and you're aware of the enemy's attacking, okay? Stay close to Jesus. Be discerning. So let me deal with this. I'm going to close with this. And it has to do with cycles. So if you want to look at that diagram, it had Leviathan. Now, this is just one example of many many different spirits and things that could be here i mean this is not in any way exhaustive and somebody's strong somebody's cycle in their life could be very different than this but i'm just going to give you an example when you look over the course of some people's lives you see like a negative cycle at various times, it's like something happened. It's like a big shadow, like a dark hand reached out and pulled him backward. But it was like this negative cycle that kept cycling down. And they were very frustrated because they didn't understand why is this happening. They accepted the Lord. They're trying to live for him. But it's like something keeps trying to cycle them down in a negative way. And so in this particular case again just you know keep in mind this could be many different things I'm just using an example here but let's say that the strong man 
that the person is dealing with is Leviathan, which has to do with pride. Let's say that there was an issue in their family generationally with pride, and Leviathan had been a strong man there in their own life. They had iniquity roots about pride. And it was something frustrating, but they knew there was something there. And so they dealt with this, even though they didn't want to. Now, here's how the enemy would keep them down. They kept trying to go up in Christ from victory to victory, glory to glory, spiritual growth. But as they tried to move forward, something would hit and they would start cycling down to a very negative place. Now, here's an example of how that can happen. Because of pride in their life, they may be a little more sensitive in some ways than what they should be. Because sometimes whenever we get hurt, it's not really that we're as hurt as we are, as our, our pride is hurt. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. So anyway, here's how Satan attacks. He sends a situation in their life of rejection. Something stirred up at church or in the workplace or something. And because they haven't learned how to handle it well, they take it really hard. They, they feel like a victim. And it's like a spirit of rejection. And they really, they feel like they're an orphan, that they don't fit in anywhere. They have a victim mentality. And they feel really rejected. They feel out of place. And pretty soon because of that, they really get in bondage to a, a spirit of rejection. And strongholds form in the mind where they have rejection mentalities. Everywhere they go now, they start feeling, well, that person's looking at me funny. And a couple of people laugh in the corner. They think, well, see, they're laughing at me. They're not la They don't even know you. But yet something in you is projecting that. They get a rejection mentality. And they start dealing with kind of being fearful and angry because they feel rejected. And the enemy pretty much is now solidifying this in their life. So this leads now to an offense. A spirit of offense and unforgiveness comes in behind rejection. Now they feel justified because the person rejected them. They feel justified in not forgiving them. And so they get in unforgiveness and they become bitter. Bitterness is like a dark black thing that has roots that goes down into the heart. So they begin to get bitter. Now, the next level of attack is isolation. Because they felt rejected and because they're, they're hurt and they're bitter, now they begin to isolate themselves and get away from church and the people of God, the people they really need in their life, the people that's going to tell them, hey, man, you need to forgive. You may not want to hear it. You may be mad at me for telling you. But you see, the isolation is to get them away from that voice. So they isolate themselves. And they get very depressed. They get very lonely because they're isolated. So now, not only do they feel rejected, not only now they've gotten bitter, but now they get in a place of being really depressed. So now, 
not only are they dealing with Leviathan, but they're dealing with spirits that have to do with rejection, spirits that have to do with bitterness, spirits that have to do with depression. Now, suicide. Now, a spirit of suicide comes in and is whispering in their ear, life is not worth living. Why don't you just take your life? Nobody cares about you. All these different things, that's a spirit of suicide but that a spirit of suicide is the same thing as a spirit of death. It has to do with premature death. The Bible even talks about a spirit of death, and it also talks about a spirit of heaviness. These are mentioned in the Bible by name. Heaviness has to do with a place of being very depressed and oppressed. Um, heaviness can translate from the Hebrew breath of infirmity. Or weakness but anyway this spirit of suicide comes in and because they're in a place now of being really depressed and really suicidal and maybe they just don't they're scared to take their own life but they want to die now here comes another attack behind that of great bondage Romans chapter 8 talks about a spirit of bondage and because they're in this dark place, instead of turning to God, they'll turn to other things to medicate. It could be lust. It could be pornography. It could be alcohol. This is where they start really becoming an alcoholic. It could be drugs. And I mean either illegal or not illegal drugs. It can be food. They get really addicted to food and overeating and they start having health problems because of that. But anyway, or entertainment. They just want to veg out in front of TV and movies all the time. And they don't realize it, but because they're, they're not going to the Lord and going among God's people and saying, help me, and getting freed up from all this stuff that's happened up to this point, they're not doing that. They're doing now things that's going to bring them into bondage. Now they're an alcoholic. And every time things are not looking good, they start hearing that voice, nobody loves you, nobody cares about you. And what do they do? They go to the fridge and start drinking. And because of these things in their life, they've also opened themselves up to a spirit of infirmity where they have chronic health problems that are from the enemy in their life and so eventually they realize that they're in a dark place maybe somebody in the church calls them and says hey man we've missed you you need to come back to the god's house and they go by and see him and they start talking to him and they realize to themselves they kind of come to their senses how did i get here and they start saying lord forgive me for all this stuff and it it's like to a degree this stuff kind of rolls off of them and they feel freed up enough that they can go back to church. But given a period of time, they start to grow spiritually. And the enemy says, oh no. What does he do? He sends another situation where they feel rejected. And here they go again. They, they feel like an orphan. I don't fit in. Nobody loves me. Next thing you know, they're bitter again. Next thing you know, they're isolated again. Maybe even worse. Now they're suicidal. They're back on the bottle again or whatever it is. 
See, that is a cycle. For people to really get free from these cycles in their life, they're going to have to discern them. Because it can be any number of spirits other than Leviathan. A lot of times these are generational. Especially with Jezebel. That's a big one. But are there things, you need to really pray about this if you feel there's a cycle in your life of negativity that is not from God. How many knows that's not God doing this? This is demonic. And once people discern that there's a cycle, they need to let God anoint their eyes and show them the strong man and show them what he's been doing. But each one of these things are going to have to be dismantled. Because each one of these individually has created a little stronghold. Because they allowed that rejection spirit to really settle in for a long time. There's a stronghold there. Even though they go to church, and even though they're a Christian, they love God. They'll go to a restaurant, somebody's laughing, they think they're making fun of them. They have a rejection spirit about them. They have a rejection mentality. And each one of these is going to have to be dismantled pulled all the way down you're going to command that stuff to leave you and ask God to purge you from it and then you're going to have to change the way you think and if the enemy is trying to cause rejection because there are spirits of rejection and you feel like the enemy here's how you could properly handle this number one is walk in humility but if somebody's being rejecting towards you you just say, Lord, I forgive that person in Jesus' name. I'm not going to let that bother me. And then maybe go off and take authority. If there's a spirit of rejection that's trying to cause problems between me and my brother and sister in Christ, I bind you in Jesus' name. You're going to stop it right now, and you're going to leave. And if people would discern these things, when, so, when something's trying to get you offended, instead of really letting that stay on you for a long time, take authority. I take authority over any spirit that's trying to get me in unforgiveness and bitterness. You will not get your roots in me in the name of Jesus. Out. Get it off you. What those things want to do is they want to sit on your shoulders. You, know, you guys ever do, you know, give somebody a piggyback or something? It's trying to jump on you and it's trying to ride you. And if you let it, it will affect you. But if you'll discern it and say, get off me in Jesus' name, out, it'll flee. When something tries to get you isolated or suicidal. And what about the things that people have turned to to medicate themselves? The various type of lusts in, in private sexual things that they don't want to talk about. But they got into that because they were in a dark place in their life. And now they, they're tormented by thoughts and things that they know it opened them up to. Or it could be substances or it could be entertainment or whatever. There's freedom in the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, I, I've heard so many stories. There was a guy in a Rodney Howard Brown meeting that, that got up, got up out of the, on the floor as the power of the Holy Spirit touched this man. And they were having some testimonies. And this guy was kind of crying. He said, man, that woman there is beautiful and Brother Rodney and them were kind of thinking, where's this going, man? But anyway, to make a long story short, he had been a homosexual for years and really struggled. And for the first time in his life, he felt something leave him. And he could see a woman as being beautiful. So whatever stronghold the enemies had in your life, you can be free in Jesus' name. All right, I'm going to close out with that tonight.
So, Lord, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for freedom. Lord, we love your word, and I pray that you would seal this in our lives. Lord, we want to be free. Lord, I ask you if there's any strongholds or there's any negative cycles in people's lives. Lord, help us discern the strong man. Help us discern those strongholds and help us discern those cycles so that we can see them torn down and destroyed in our lives and be totally free from it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, guys, we're going to pray for people that want prayer tonight.